0: Today I want to talk about miracles, all right? Miracles. And I don't know, have you seen any miracles today? I've seen so many miracles today already. I'm looking at a few right now. And uh, I thought I'd jump into it with a uh, video. And y'all know what this is? These are dominoes. Thousand dominoes. Turn the sound down a little bit. And this young lady took 25 hours to set all these dominoes up. And we're not going to sit here for 25 hours and watch, but uh, it only takes a few seconds for all the uh, dominoes to tumble. It's quite an amazing thing to see how this arrangement and you know that every one of these has to be exactly placed if it isn't exactly placed what's going to happen it's going to stop it's not going to work and i want you to just appreciate how complex it is and it took this young lady 25 hours of intelligent careful placing of these dominoes in this arrangement in order then for all them to topple and how far are we now look at that we got a ways to go yet but i want you to think what would happen if instead of it beginning a chain reaction of the things toppling that you actually had the things coming into place this is astonishing enough isn't it but how astonishing it would be if instead of a young lady spending 25 hours to have something that topples in a matter of a few seconds what if Someone set in motion something that actually did not come come down, but actually began to to form
1: into this this.
0: and to be able to do it again and again automatically. I wanna talk to you about miracles, the miracle in which we are living right now, first of all, because it will help us then to look at the specific miracles, like the healings that the Lord Jesus did, or the resurrection. We live in a time that is dominated by the worldview of secular materialism. And it allows someone by, like uh, Richard Dawkins, and uh, to write a book that's called the God delusion and uh, he says for example biology is the study of complicated things that have the appearance of having been done, designed with a purpose what do you think about that domino setup was that designed with a purpose yeah but you see Biology, which is so much more complex, somehow, Dawkins thinks, and others think, and in fact, this is promulgated in our schools, in our universities, that all these things happen by accident, okay? And so, we have Uh, Dawkins, who says biology is the study of complicated things that have the appearance of being designed with a purpose. Okay, Richard, how do you know this? You see, most of us are smart enough that we would say, and I'm not saying that Richard Dawkins is not a smart man. He was. I think he's gotten his theology straightened out now. But uh, he, uh, in his mid teens, decided that God was not the explanation. And so then what he imported was his theology, deciding that Darwinism was a much better explanation. And uh, he ends up in a position in which, you can complete this statement with me, so try it. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's... (laughs) Except Richard Dawkins would say, it's a chicken! Because, you see, that is, in effect, what he is saying. It looks like it's designed, but it isn't designed. And why isn't it designed? Oh, because we know. Well, how do you know? Now, it's interesting that someone has actually penned a book called The Dawkins Delusion. Not The God Delusion, but The Dawkins Delusion. Anybody wants to bore it, they're welcome to it. And so there's a little blurb on the front cover. It's actually by another atheist. But this is an atheist who is, I think, a little bit more hopeful in his understanding of things. He says, the God delusion makes me embarrassed to be an atheist. And the McGrath show why. Interesting book, and you're welcome to borrow it. See, the problem is human beings know how to recognize design. So if I drive by your home and I see uh, dandelions all over the place, is that design? Might be in my home. But, <laughs> but if I see a, uh, the, the garden all dug up nice around the rock that's on the front lawn with uh, particular flowers, uh, roses or tulips or whatever, what are you gonna say? Somebody actually designed that, you see? Over the last 20 years, there have been so many advances in in the field of microbiology that Darwinism's random mutations have been demonstrated cannot account for the irreducible complexity of life. Chance is not enough. Design is everywhere. You say, what's this got to do with miracles? It's got everything to do with miracles. So I want you to recognize that we are living in a world that is miraculous. So I'm just going to do a, a uh, couple of short videos in a second. But uh, you all know what this thing is, right? And I, I, you might have some troubles with the uh, little rodents that you can also see on the screen but you know that if you do not have all the parts of the mouse trap it will not work correct that is called irreducible complexity you see you can't get any further Now, it might have been possible in the days of Darwin when they actually couldn't really see what was happening at the molecular level to say some things because they just thought that cells were blobs, but they are not. They are incredibly complex machines, manufacturing sites. And so the next video, please don't do the the sound. I'll just talk over it, and we'll go through it a a little bit more quickly quickly. We're going to talk for just a moment about something that is in all of us. Anybody recognize what this thing is? DNA. And it so happens that there are two strands that are twisted around each other, and they are mirror images, a bit of a problem when it comes to manufacturing. And you see, what we're looking at is what is happening now in your body billions of times. Did you hear me? Billions of times, right now. And this is the process of actually making new cells. This is happening continually in your body, the making of new cells. And so what we have here is something that looks like a knitting machine. This is an actual visualization of what is happening in your body billions of times right now. It's an amazing process. So, if you have any one of these pieces missing or not working or happening in the right sequence, what's not going to happen? You are not going to get new cells. You see? Our bodies are just full of examples of this miracle that is within our own bodies. And uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I just wanted you to to see it. But this is a video that you can see online. And uh, it is certainly worth meditating on, wondering at, understanding how amazing it is. Now for this
1: one, I do want the audio, okay? Perhaps the most amazing propulsion system on our entire planet is one that exists in bacteria. It's called the flagellum, a miniature propeller driven by a motor with many distinct mechanical parts, each made of proteins. The flagellum's motor resembles a human-designed rotary engine. It has a universal joint, bushings, a stator, and a rotor. It has a drive shaft and even its own clutch and braking system. In some bacteria, the flagellar motor has been clocked at 100,000 revolutions per minute. The motor is bi-directional and can shift from forward to reverse almost instantaneously. Some scientists suggest it operates at near 100% energy efficiency. All of this is done on a microscopic scale that is hard to imagine. The diameter of the flagellum motor is no more than 5 millionths of a centimeter. The bacterial flagellum is one of many molecular machines that scientists have discovered in the last several decades, including energy producing turbines, information-copying machines, and even robotic walking motors.
0: What do you think? Pretty amazing. Adam, you're a mechanic. What do you think?
1: Yeah, okay.
0: It really is amazing, you see, what God has created. And understand that if any one of the pieces is missing, if any one of the processes doesn't happen in the right order, then you do not have these moving, waving uh, extensions on the bacteria. It's as simple as that. Okay, so if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's it's a duck. Come on, let's have some common sense. So let's not be bamboozled by those who have really sophisticated arguments that when you actually begin to spend time with them, you see that they actually fall apart. It's like trying to carry water in a paper bag. It isn't too long before the bottom falls out. Now, why are we still dealing with this? Because there is an immense investment in the power structures that say, no, 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 we do not want to follow the evidence where it takes us. You see, the miracle of life in all you who have been out there planting seed, you've been planting seed because you know that within these funny little things, there is this remarkable gift of life. But right now, active within every corn stalk, you have this miracle of reproduction happening again and again. Billions of times more complex than that spiral of dominoes. Billions of times more complex. So you think that that spiral could not have happened by chance? But you believe that this can happen by chance? Come on! Now, you see, we're getting ready to really think about miracles here. C.S. Lewis gives us a really nice quotation on miracles. Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. It's the same thing. It is God at work. It's God at work. Creation bears witness to the Creator. The Bible, understand, does not make the distinction that we have acquired in our uh, late 20th century, early 21st century way of talking, the difference between natural and supernatural. That actually distorts our understanding. All of creation bears the stamp of God. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. I'll tell you, I was enjoying driving in this morning because what was I seeing everywhere? The evidence of God at work. I was looking at those cornfields and I was saying, look at that, the life that God has put into those corn stalks, and it just continues to work and work and work. Look at the expanse of the order of this world. Now, Isaac Newton, I think he was a little before your time, Calvin. Isaac Newton is often considered the greatest scientific mind that has ever been. Sometimes Einstein's considered, but Isaac Newton is often considered the most. And understand that this is in the introduction of his great work. The most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of what? An intelligent, powerful being. There is no conflict between believing God is at work in his creation and doing science. There is no conflict at all. There's only a conflict when we do not wish to understand. What we call miracles are events that are meant to, first of all, catch our attention. Secondly, show the power of God and then reveal something about God. They are part of his message. They are signs. But let's understand that miracles are not very effective in communicating if we have closed minds and hearts. The blind will not see, the deaf will not hear. Now, you know that when the children of Israel were wandering around in the desert for some 40 years, uh, that God gave them something to eat, manna. But after a while, they got bored with it and they didn't appreciate it. They didn't recognize the miracle of it, you see? And we need to understand that lesson in our lives. If we don't understand that we are living in the most amazing world in which God's creative power is evident over and over and over again, we aren't even ready to receive what God has to teach us afresh. They got used to having the manna, and they got bored. Familiarity breeds contempt. You ever heard that? Okay. Let's understand that no miracle is enough for those who will not believe. So John chapter 11, Lazarus is raised from the dead. We read that many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. They did believe him. But the Sanhedrin, who would not see, ignored the miracle. And so we read, so from that day on, they plotted to take Jesus' life. Let's understand, we see this over and over again. Jesus feeds 5,000. The skeptics still asked, this is John 6, verse 3, they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Come on! He just fed 5,000! Why are you asking? And then we read that in his hometown, he could not do miracles. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Now, some people think that if you do not have faith, God cannot do a miracle. But understand that what is really being said is that there is no point in doing a miracle because a miracle is a sign. And so, signs are useless to the blind. If you're unwilling to understand what God wants to say to you, what's the point? You'll know the story that the Lord Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus. Sometimes he's given the name Dives. And so now, Dives is in a hot place. And there's a great gab fixed and Lazarus the beggar who used to sit at his gate and beg for bread is now in Abraham's bosom. That's a description of God's care and the afterlife. And so now uh, the rich man wants to get out of there. He wants water. He can't get water. He's told that there's a great gulf fixed. And then the rich man says, well, what will you please go and please, please, just go and warn my brothers. And the answer that Abraham gives, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So we need to ask the question, what evidence will be sufficient? What is really blocking your ability to see the presence of God? Could it be that you have come to a place where you have ceased trusting God? And you understand that we're always learning how to trust God in new areas of our lives. I had an interesting elevator experience. Uh, My mom hated getting on, on, on escalators. And, uh, and uh, so whenever we'd be out together, I'd have to kind of take her under my arm and take the step forward with her, and then we'd, we'd get on, and then she discovered it was quite all right. Well, Karima, who was here on uh, Wednesday and Thursday for VBS, uh, they've now done something in the KW area where they've actually closed down the main bus station but you would still still get your tickets there, but you had to go up an escalator to where it was. I didn't think it was a problem. I drove her to the station. We're about to get on the escalator. Next thing I know, she's running out the door. I said, Karima, where are you going? And so then I follow. I didn't run. I'm not much for running. And... uh, And I watch as she then tries every door that used to be open to get up onto the level because the building actually went over top of where the buses came in, you see? Trying every door. Why? Because she is unwilling to get on the escalator. I said, come on, I've helped my mom. I will help you conquer your fear, conquer your distrust. So often we are not able to receive the thing that God has for us because we've already set our minds in a particular way that prevents us from understanding. Now, some of you will perhaps know this beautiful boat, the ferry, the Chichimon. Who's been on that? A few of you, quite a number of you. Uh, And uh, so I was pastor on Manitoulin Island for six years. I was going to take my son David back for a particular visit. And he was three years old at the time. Smart kid. We're waiting for the ferry to come in in Tobermory, and uh, he was all excited about getting on this big boat. And then there's the foghorn, moo, and he sees the ship. And what does he see? It's made out of steel. Smart boy, he says. Steel doesn't float, I'm not going to get on it. <laughs> and so you see, he had part of what he needed to know, but he didn't have it all. Now, he did get on because we did get on together. We, we had the evidence that, that it was floating, and there was Dad that it was, ins- Dad was insisting, either you get on or you're going to stay here and die. <laughs> But let's understand that that, uh, we have acquired again from a particular philosopher uh, several hundred years ago by the name of David Hume that somehow miracles are a violation of the laws of nature. But let's just think about it for a moment. So it's raining outside. If I put an umbrella over my head so that the raindrops don't fall on my head, is that a violation of the laws of nature? No. No. If I decide, because I live in a cold climate, that I'm going to build a nice warm house so I don't freeze to death, is that a violation of the laws of nature? No. Am I shaping things? Yes. Am I arranging things for a purpose? Yes. When a surgeon does surgery, is he violating the laws of nature? No. When you're cooking your food instead of eating it raw, if a steel boat floats, are you violating the laws? No. And so let's understand that an intelligent arrangement of things for a purpose is just common sense. And so that's what God does. Now, the miracle of walking on the water, was that a violation? No. Does it mean that, that he could do something in an instant that it usually takes us a few months of cold weather to do? Yes. But let's understand that there are no violations here. God does the same thing. He may do it in a spectacular way, but that's the whole point, isn't it? He does it in a way that catches our attention. His workings might use means. For example, when the children of Israel were crossing into the promised land, led by Uh, Joshua, there's a blockage up the river at just the right time so that they could cross on dry land. Amazing. Most of us would say, that sounds like a miracle to me. And it is. So we come to poor John the Baptist. He's had an amazing ministry, but he's now in prison because he's been relentless in speaking the truth. He's spoken about the adulterous ways of the king. He's put into prison. He's discouraged. He sends his disciples to speak to Jesus. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. And so this is how Jesus answered John. He says, pay attention to the message of the miracles, because miracles are a message, they are a sign. But also pay attention to the words I am saying, because they are the words that interpret that. We sometimes say that a picture is worth a thousand words. True. But sometimes a single word is worth a thousand pictures. We used to have this great big uh, coffee table book with pictures from across Canada. Well, what's the question that we always ask? Where's that? Because it's beautiful to see these pictures, but we want to have the words that tell us where this is. Let's understand that even though the Lord Jesus did all these signs and wonders, that it was not a pretext then for John to be delivered, because you know what happened to him. He was beheaded. And so you see, again and again, we are pointed to look a little bit higher. And so... In the episode after the the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says these words, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. If you come to God with a selfish understanding or attitude, you're probably going to miss the best part. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. You see, we are to seek the giver, not the gift. Miracles are unexpected, catch our attention. They show His power and they point to something higher and more important, something better. They are part of God's message to us. And so we are not to seek miracles. We are to seek the one who does miracles. We are not to seek the gift, but the giver. And the amazing thing is that when you seek the giver, what do you also get? The gift. And there are many who want healing. They want the gift. But they don't want the healer. Missing the very best part. You see, the Lord tells us about the nature of what makes life worth living. And it is about relationship. You know what makes life worth living for you? Relationship. Human relationships. But more than that, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And... David, long ago, said, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Are you looking for a miracle today? Good. But have eyes to see what God is already at work doing. Start by giving thanks for the many miracles that form the fabric of your life, that form the fabric of all creation. It's all around us. Say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you want to jump up and down the way Calvin did on the, the platform, all the better. And some of us might then need to go and have an easy chair and a cool drink. Remember the miracles, that miracles are signs pointing you higher. Don't get stuck on the good thing you've received. Look higher and surrender yourself to him. You'll know that in Daniel chapter 3, there were the so-called three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they would not bow down to the idol. And so the king Nebuchadnezzar was bound to throw them into the fiery furnace. And their reply was this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, sorry, Ernest. (laughs) 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 If we... Praise the Lord, you got rescued. <laughs> if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to serve us, save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O oh king. But even if he does not... Now, I want to tell you that if you get hold of this phrase, you've gotten hold of the very best part. And this is what will give you strength and stability to get through whatever in this life. You see, sometimes we wish that that we lived in a microbe-free, germ-free world, but we don't. But instead of trying to live in a microbe-free world, how about just having a good immune system? And when you have this kind of confidence in God, it gives you that kind of immune system. But even if he does not, we want you to know, o King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And then, of course, ask. If you're looking for something from the Lord, ask simply and humbly and pray that his will will be done. Trust him. And God answers. God answers. Can anybody say amen? amen. Listen to those who said amen. They understand. And of course we have the supreme miracle, the resurrection of Jesus. He went to the cross, but he is now alive. We serve a risen Savior. We are told that the first Adam became a living being. He was created, but then he died. He sinned and brought death on us all. But the last Adam, that is Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. You want life? You want the miracle? This is one that you can receive, that you can confirm even right now. Amen. Things are different when you know the risen Lord. Live with a recognition of the amazing miracle of all of creation. And understand that what we are Seeing when we see, a specific miracle. And yes, I could have taken the time to tell you about specific answers to prayer where I've seen the hand of God in some extraordinary ways. But I believe it's important for us to frame it properly, first of all. That this is simply a, in a, on a continuum with what God continues to do all around us. It is Miracles are simply nature written in small letters so that we can get hold of it, so that we can be encouraged, so that we can understand a little bit more about the nature of God. But the whole point of it is, don't settle for second best. Don't look for the gift, look for the giver. Let's pray. Thank you, O Lord, for loving us so much that you do not leave us in darkness and ignorance, In fact, you continue to bless us, for we are part of an amazing world that, though it is tainted by sin, works so well. But, Lord, we know how easy it is for we human beings to mess things up. And now more and more we're hearing about how we're messing things up environmentally. And we have to admit, yes, Lord, we recognize that we're good at that. But thank you that you've not given up, that our bodies still work that the miracle of what you are doing in each cell is still there and still functions. Lord, when things go wrong and our cells go wrong, Lord, we know how desperate it is. And in fact, right now, what we would pray is right now for those who are being afflicted in a particular way, have mercy on them, Lord. That's what we ask. But Lord, we know that we are not made only for this life, but we're made for eternity that it is knowing the Father and knowing the one that the Father has sent that is actually the essence of life itself. So draw us more fully into your gracious presence. Thank you that we had a privilege this last week in a particular way of pointing the way to many children. And may they receive it. May the seed of what's been sown grow and grow strong and bring forth a rich harvest to give them the strength, the courage, the ability to live this life in a way that brings glory to you but also that will carry them into eternity. Thanks again for loving us. Thanks for meeting with us today. Amen.